For years now, you've probably been hearing about all the new ways you're going to pay for things. How smartphones are going to revolutionize payments. But here we are in 2019, and most of us are still using good old-fashioned credit cards. In a twist, big technology players have actually been beaten at their own game. I'm Alex Yule. Welcome to The Readback. Today, I'm joined by Barron's tech reporter, Tay Kim, who's just written a cover story on the surprising success of MasterCard and Visa. Hey, Tay. Good to be here, Alex. Let's first go back to 2014. Apple had this big announcement then. Tell us what happened. So let's set the stage a little bit. The stakes were huge. We saw this pattern of big tech giants disrupting multiple industries. Amazon took on retail. Apple, with its iTunes, took over media entertainment in terms of music. And then Google and Facebook really disrupted the advertising industry. So there was this pattern of disruption where big technology companies were going sector by sector and really hurting the traditional players in each market. Right. So here we are in 2014, and now it's the kind of financial payment industry's turn to be disrupted, right? Or at least that was the thinking then? Yeah. So Apple's Tim Cook mentioned in 2013 that they were looking at the payments industry, and it was still very early. And then Visa and MasterCard shares were getting hurt in the first nine months of 2014 because investors were starting to worry about what Apple's going to do with Apple Pay. Right. So like what Apple did to music and CDs and albums, now they're coming for payments. Yes. Okay. What actually happened? And so we've created an entirely new payment process, and we call it Apple Pay. So the big surprise was when they actually revealed the details of how Apple Pay was going to work. Okay, your total is $23.78. That's it! Basically in September and October of that year. Of 2014. Yes. It came out that they're going to use the pipes of American Express, Visa, and MasterCard. They're going to use the traditional card networks to fund the Apple Pay service. And so like you say in your story, rather than getting this big disruption, we pretty much got incremental change. Yes. So all these stocks started surging right after that happened because the worry that Apple was going to build everything from scratch didn't turn out to be true. And they've been rallying ever since. If you actually look at a basket of Visa, MasterCard, and PayPal... Moffitt Nathan sent out with a note today calling MasterCard, Visa, and PayPal the, quote, payment MVPs. They've really outperformed even the FANG stocks. Facebook, Amazon, Apple, Netflix, and Alphabet all soaring in 2019. All of them actually beating the broad market so far. So really, like, the best stocks are kind of just been hiding in our wallets all along. Yeah, it's just almost under the radar that hardly anyone talks about that are outperforming the ones that everyone talks about. Why have MasterCard and Visa been able to stage this rare defeat of big tech? So there has been a big trend away from cash and checks toward electronic payments, and credit cards are really taking advantage of that. And how exactly do MasterCard and Visa make money on each of these transactions? So Morgan Stanley estimates they take about 15 basis points, or 0.15% of every transaction that's made on cards. So not a huge amount of money, right? But I'm guessing it adds up? Yes. If you take 0.15% of trillions and trillions of dollars that are used on cards every year, that adds up to a big amount of money. And so this is basically a scale play, right? Yes. Once you build out that network scale and everyone uses it, it becomes a huge revenue driver. And you talk about the network effect in your story. Can you just explain that a little bit more? So a network effect is a concept where 
the more and more people use your product or service, the more valuable your product becomes. So the more cards that are out there, the more consumers that are using it, the more merchants want to be in the network, and it's just this virtuous cycle. Yes. And it's exactly almost like Facebook. As more and more people start a Facebook accounts, then more and more people use it to connect to other people on Facebook. It's almost like the credit cards are beating the tech giants at their own game. And what's happened with Apple Pay? Apple Pay has been a nice, neat service that people use to pay for things, but hasn't really dominated and taken over the payments market. Yeah, I mean, I have to say that when I, I, I have Apple Pay on my iPhone, and I find it to just be kind of inconvenient. And I'm still, these days, I get to the cash register, Apple Pay may not be accepted, first of all. And even if it is, I'm more likely to just take out my credit card, the actual old-fashioned plastic, and put it into the machine. And it seems faster and more, I have more confidence in it still, I suppose. It's not that inconvenient or hard to just use your credit card these days to pay for things. It's quick, easy, fast, and people are happy with the experience. And Visa, MasterCard, and the credit card companies, and with the assistance of the banks, they haven't exactly sat still, right? So you talk about this thing in your story called either contactless payments or tap to pay more casually, right? What is that? Tap to pay is this new uh, payment method where you just tap your credit card on top of the payment terminal instead of swiping or inserting the security chip. And it's pretty fast? It saves a few seconds for each transaction. So I talked to the chief financial officer of Costco, and they said they instituted tap and pay starting last August, and they're totally happy with it. It's more secure, it's faster, and customers are happy because they get through the checkout much faster. And I find it so kind of ironic then that these cool new credit cards, which I think are the same size as old credit cards, now have this new technology inside them that are possibly actually doing something better than a smartphone, which isn't something you hear a lot of these days. It might be even faster. I mean, you just tap your credit card with this tap-and-pay system instead of going through the payment app on the smartphone. So that's kind of like a technological innovation coming from the credit card players. How would you classify Visa and MasterCard? Are they tech companies? Are they financial companies? So what the analysts say, they're, they're a bit of both. They're both great technology companies where they're riding the technology cost curve down, but they're also financial companies. And that's part of the magic of these companies. You have to do both really well. It's not just tech. It's also doing the fraud protection, doing security, and having that scale and ecosystem with all the banks, merchants, and consumers. So you have to do both things really well to do well in the payment space. Yeah. I mean, I found that part of your story fascinating. Is that part of what's made... Visa and MasterCard so resilient to these technological disruptions? That's what the analysts say, that having that network effect of merchants, consumers, and banks on top of their financial expertise has been really resilient in terms of a business model. Okay. And let's talk about PayPal for a little bit. That is one of these sort of tech startups that seems to have found its own niche. Why have they been the one that seemed to have sort of made it? So they have this network effect in terms of e-commerce payments. So instead of this long trend toward electronic payments away from check and cash, they're benefiting on riding the wave of e-commerce away from traditional retail. And that still has a long way to go too? Yes. E-commerce is only about 8% of global retail sales outside of China, and it's still growing at 12% a year, and it's a trillion-dollar market already. So in your story, we have MasterCard, Visa, PayPal as kind of the big winners in this payment space. They've been the winners, and I think you see them as continuing to win. There are other names out there, though, that we hear a lot about. What about Amex, for instance? So American Express is very similar to Visa and MasterCard in terms of how they work their business model. But 
they don't have to scale in terms of payment volume and the amount of people that use their service. And so investors just really haven't ever embraced them the way they've embraced MasterCard and Visa. Yeah. If you look at the stock price and actually the multiple they give on their earnings, it's about half what Visa and MasterCard have gotten over the last five years. Okay. And then what about this huge thing that we keep hearing about off and on, Bitcoin? So cryptocurrencies are very interesting. A few years ago, they were supposedly going to take over the world. But if you actually look at what happened in terms of consumer payments, it just doesn't work as a medium exchange. The price of Bitcoin, for example, moves from 5 to 15% a day at times. And when companies tried to use Bitcoin as a payment service, you just can't because your profit margins are low. And if you hold a Bitcoin that you just accepted uh, for a day, and if it moves 15% against you, you just lose all your, your money. So the CFO of PayPal told Barron's that they tried accepting Bitcoin a few years ago, and, and they realized because the price was so volatile, stores didn't want to use it. And it would almost be like walking into a store and handing them a bar of gold, right? It's like, what do I do with this now, right? More cumbersome, there's transaction issues, and just the volatility of value just makes it very difficult for a merchant to use it. So these stocks, a lot of the things we're talking about are not totally unknown to investors, at least not anymore. Visa, MasterCard, PayPal, they've all soared. They trade at these very high price earnings valuations. It's the kind of thing that usually scares us off in terms of being Barron's writers and what we write about for our readers. What makes these stocks different, would you say? If you look at it in terms of risk-reward basis, I think they're more attractive than big tech here. Um, you have these kind of more durable secular growth drivers over the next three, five years with the electronification of payments. And they also take a small fee of every transaction in the world. So I think if you look out the next three, five years, it's just a better risk-reward than big tech, which may come under some regulation. Their business models are just higher risk in terms of competitors coming in. So there's just a lot of things going on with big tech that raises the risk factor. So I think these MVP companies can consistently grow their earnings the next three, five years, and that makes them a more attractive investment opportunity. All right. And then this fascinating thing happened a few weeks ago. The Wall Street Journal reported on Facebook's interest in entering the payment space. Tell us what happened there. So earlier this month, the Wall Street Journal reported that Facebook was working on a new payments offering based on cryptocurrency. Facebook is launching a cryptocurrency-based payment system called Project Libra, according to the Wall Street Journal. Users could send their digital coin to their Facebook friends or make purchases in-app and across internet. That could potentially give a fee break to merchants against the traditional Visa, MasterCard, or other credit card companies. And when this news came out, the next day, Visa, MasterCard, and PayPal went up. It's almost as if investors are kind of realizing that the incumbent power of their business models will not be affected by any other competitors going forward. All right. That's really interesting. Thanks so much, Tay. Thanks, Alex. To retake Kim's cover story on the surprising resilience of the payments industry, Check out this week's Barron's and, as always, Barron's.com. I'm Alex Yule. The show is produced by Meta Lutzoff. The Readback will return next Wednesday. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. 
journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.